Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are, wherever you are listening, that you're having a great Friday afternoon. It is Friday, March 26th, and of course that means that it is the day after the NBA trade deadline. Just an overall crazy day across the league with so many different moves that were made. Nothing just absolutely, you know, in the terms of some of the folks that I spoke with, you know, before the NBA trade deadline landscape changing, but certainly some some big moves that were made that bolstered rosters. You know, you had the Magic certainly, you know, emerge as, as someone that truly is building for the future while you have, you know, a few teams that certainly bolstered their chances Four making runs this year, including the Bulls and the Denver Nuggets. But when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, we'll discuss their lack of action and why that's okay. Why that actually is a win, in my opinion, for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about the NBA trade deadline for the Grizzlies as well as some updates that came from Zach Kleiman's media appearance uh, in the first segment of today's show. In the second segment, we'll discuss Jaw at 100. Wednesday night was Jaw's 100th game as a Memphis Grizzlies. Talk about all the great things that have happened in his first 100 games, the indication that they have given for hopefully what will be hundreds more in a Grizzlies uniform. And in the third segment, we'll look at the Utah Jazz, the arguably the best team in the NBA so far this season. They are the best team in the West, but the Grizzlies have a back-to-back against them this weekend in Utah. We'll look at them. So an action-packed show. Of course, we want to remind you that you can find the show at Locked On Grizzlies, myself at Stats SAC. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. And if you're a new listener to the show or if you're someone that's been listening for a while, I might want to reintroduce myself. My name is Sean Coleman. I've been writing about the Grizzlies now, coming up on three years over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I have an article out today called Jaw at 100, The Sky is the Limit, a piece that I wrote you know, for today, talking about Jaw's first 100 games. I've been podcasting for about two years, coming up on a year with Locked on Grizzlies. It's been an absolutely wonderful year. Looking to do it for many more years into the future, but just really enjoying the opportunity to be able to talk Grizzlies at any point in time that I can and also interact with people who share the same passions that I, too, when it comes to the Grizzlies, NBA, and in general. But let's get right into it. So the Grizzlies did absolutely nothing yesterday, and that is perfectly fine. It was long expected that that was going to be the case. It, that's what was mentioned, you know, before the season started, as different people talked with different sources, you know, Mark Stein, um, you know, uh, Keith Smith, you know, a lot of different folks that, you know, myself or others have talked with, you know, in the in, in the recent weeks, they all mentioned that the Grizzlies were attempting to see what they could do with Gorgie Dang. Nothing really materialized with him. We'll talk about him in just a second more. But in general, the Grizzlies just decided to stay put. And and it's understandable why they did. This Grizzlies team coming into this season, the whole aspect of it was because of their success last year, there were no bad outcomes from this season. But this roster, number one, Loves playing together. We, you, you, almost every episode, I, I, I allude to that in some way, shape, or form. This group absolutely loves playing together. They believe that they play better because of who they're playing with, and there's just an absolute fraternal love, as well as just an absolute wonderful culture that is developing here in Memphis. And for that reason, you know, this roster number two also wants to make the playoffs. They badly want to build off of last year when they were disappointed that they got eliminated in the playing game against the Blazers. They want the opportunity to make the playoffs. 
playoffs this season. And I think that the front office, as well as the coaching staff, wants to honor that. They didn't want to make any big moves, though, you know, there may have been opportunities out there. You know, unless there was a team that was just going to come up and, and make an offer that the Grizzlies absolutely could not say no to, it was just very unlikely that the Grizzlies were going to make any type of move, if any move at all to try and do something that would, you know, change, you know, what's working right now. Yes, the Grizzlies are 21 and 20. Yes, they're in ninth place. But to be in year two of a rebuild, you know, that is certainly a great place to be, especially with some of the development we've seen from veterans and young players alike. So the Grizzlies not making a move yesterday. I get the desire to want to make moves, to get good players that, you know, you see the prices other teams are playing for these players, and you think to yourself, the Grizzlies could easily play that, and that makes sense. But those players were acquired by teams that were further down the competitive timeline. They were acquired by teams that are more focused on in the present making a championship run, whereas for the Grizzlies, and rightfully so, because this team certainly still has areas it needs to improve to become a legitimate title contender, this team is more focused on what's on the future. So gathering as much information as they possibly can on the roster that's in place now, the, the front office felt was the best way. Seeing that through a full year was the best way for them to make decisions in the offseason when there may be a bit more opportunities out there. Things may be a bit more back to normal as you know we continue to you know progress out of COVID and things like that. The Grizzlies just wanted to have more. They wanted to have a better chance of making sure any decisions that they made that was going to significantly impact this roster that there were the best percentages there for that move to be made in a move that would benefit this team. And they felt as if that was probably going to be on the summer, as they've always have hinted at, rather than at this trade deadline. So yes, it may be a disappointing that the Grizzlies didn't go out and acquire you know, one, two, or three of the players that were out there that they possibly could have. But at the end of the day, the strength of this team remains its depth. And that's very important with the fact that because of interruptions and injuries that we've already seen occur, this Grizzlies team has one four out of five with their roster, the healthiest that that it's been all season. And so that certainly also, you know, had to play at least a bit of a factor in making this front office realize that the best thing to do was keep this team intact and see what it could do this year. But of course, Though we didn't make a trade, there always has on the horizon been a big addition that was coming back, and that is Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, obviously, for anybody that's been, you know, keeping up with the Jaron Jackson Jr. situation, it's definitely not been ideal that he was out much longer than any one of us anticipated. Now, part of that reason was because the franchise themselves, they didn't, I don't think that they really had, you know, a timeline pinpointed in when he was going to come back, but we had all hoped that it may have been by the end of January, maybe by Valentine's Day, maybe by the all-star break. It just did not work out. But in today's media sessions, Zach Kleiman went into detail talking about, you know, the exact stuff that went on with Jaron's, you know, um, you know, repair when it came to his meniscus, his recovery. And he did state that the team does feel by the end of next month, which would be April, they do feel that Jaron Jackson Jr. will be back by the end of April. Now, I know that that still is a very vague timeline, a very general timeline. It's not as specific as many want, but we at least know that Jaron is anticipated to come back this season. Obviously, for everybody involved, they would have loved to have had more time to have seen what Jaron can do in a season in which data accumulation was the big focus, seeing how different players play with each other, seeing what different lineups work, seeing what pieces make the most sense to invest into long-term and what pieces could potentially be expendable to add needed pieces for the long term, it would have been wonderful to determine that based off players playing with Jaron Jackson Jr. But the thing is, we're at least going to get to see some sort of a a version of that 
in probably the next month. So that is at least some exciting news. We now have the most certain timeline that we've had, you know, in, in you know, oh, around eight months, you know, for Jaron Jackson to return. So it looks like his return is going to happen by the end of April. The other big news to take from uh, this uh, pr- the, with the Zach Kleiman's media sessions was that obviously the the one name that was out there as far as being a potential you know source of a move for the Grizzlies was Gorgie Dang. When uh, Chris Harrington of the Daily Memphian asked Zach Kleiman at the end of his media sessions what his anticipation was as far as anything that could happen with Gorgie, who has been out of the lineup you know for several games over the past few months, uh, Kleiman's response was more information to come. That would seem to indicate that there likely is, potentially at least there's the chance that a roster move could occur in which they may, you know, agree to a buyout opportunity with Gorgie and they could see, you know, his roster spot become open for an additional player to be added. You know, we won't speculate too much until obviously, you know, the news drops that Kleiman was alluding to. But the thing about it is, is that it makes sense. You know, the deadline's already passed. Whatever benefits the Grizzlies get from Gorgie's expiring contract that's already in place that doesn't change because they buy him out, and it probably is understood that if he's not in the rotation here, and it's not because he doesn't add value as a player, it's just because the Grizzlies' focus is to develop their young players. If Gorgie can go on to a, a team that may have more of a chance at a title or likely has a better chance of moving along in the playoffs and, and sign with that team it, where he can play, it probably does make sense, and the Grizzlies are doing right by um, Gorgie to be able to do that, especially when Jaron Jackson returns. So the big news is, is that you know obviously at this point in time, you know, the Grizzlies did have discussions. They did, you know, see what was there. They just did not think at this time it made sense to move forward with a deal that was going to shake up the roster. They felt that the roster that's in place is playing together is the best outcome for the season and will give them the best opportunity to know what significant moves are going to need to be made after this season, which has been the case all along. But the other two big news snippets of the day are that Jaron Jackson Jr. is likely to return by the end of April. That's their anticipated time frame for him to return to the lineup. And also, it does seem as if we're going to have more news to come, which, you know, possibly could be, you know, Gorgie Gorgie Dang and the Grizzlies, you know, discussing and agreeing to a buyout that could allow for him to move on to a team in which he would be part of the rotation. So plenty of things to talk about. I know the lack of movement at the trade deadline, plus, you know, a lot of this is all anticipated, but at least we've got some certainty from the guy making the decisions himself, Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Zach Kleiman. Really excited to have had a media session with him and to get, you know, some needed questions answered. And it certainly seems as if the one thing that we do know is that the team that we have all continued to fall in love with once again this season in the Grizzlies, we're going to continue to see them on a night-in, night-out basis, really fight for that playoff chance, and it seems like that the front office and coaching staff are wanting to win as many games as possible as well, because as Zach Kleiman himself, say, himself said, it's critical to gain experience as early as possible in these players' careers to be able to have something on the line, to play for something that can mean a lot of significant value as we go further into the season when expectations are higher and this team feels they are closer to being a title contender. But with that being said, with all this news and with all the trades, whether they happened or not, it all starts with John Morant. And this past Wednesday night, it was John Morant's 100th game in a Grizzlies uniform. I took some time to write you know, a, a piece over Grizzly Bear Blues that I'm extremely proud of called Jaw at 100, The Sky is the Limit. Coming up, I'll talk a bit about that, where he ranks, you know, some statistics that show just how special he has been for the Grizzlies in terms of the franchise, the NBA, and you know, active players in the league, and also, obviously, the impact that he's started and continued to make 
off the court. We'll talk about that and much more here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. 16 for the 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament starts today, and the Women's So Sweet 16 will start later this weekend. You've got NBA basketball that now passed the trade deadline is about to get on its stretch run over the next six to seven weeks. The NHL is getting on its stretch run. Baseball is starting in less than a week, and of course, you've got soccer around the world. You've got UFC. You've got so many sports to choose from, and if part of your goal of being a fan is to enjoy wagering and betting on sports. I've got the one place that has you covered, the one place that you can trust when it comes to all your wagering and betting needs, and that's betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in their stretch runs. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and use the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Make sure you visit BetOnline.ag today. The NBA trade deadline has come and gone, and of course there's plenty of reaction to certainly get you through the day for all the teams that made moves. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Rakowski updates you on the latest news in every sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So obviously it's been a pretty fun week if you're an NBA fan in general and you know overall yes you probably didn't see the scale of deals that you made that are you're usually used to especially when it comes to the offseason but it certainly was a a pretty frantic four to five hours up to the trade deadline with some pretty significant stars trading places but if the Grizzly if the Grizzlies not making a move disappoint you to at least a little bit. One thing that I think that may be able to cheer cheer you up is realizing that the Grizzlies star of the present and future, Ja Moran, just celebrated his 100th game with the Grizzlies. That's right. Ja had his 100th game in a Grizzlies uniform. The first 100 games of his career, a milestone for any young basketball player, was completed on Wednesday night. And you've seen from several different places different things written about Ja at his 100 games. I think Mark Giannato, um, over at the Commercial Appeal, I believe he had a great uh, piece talking about you know the, the, the best moments from Ja's um, you know, uh, career so far. Uh, the Daily Memphian had a piece as well. Now, I also had a piece myself over at Grizzly Bear Blue it's called Jaw Morant at 100. The sky's the limit. I encourage you to go read it. But just from different perspectives, we all really wanted to take a moment, you know, to show appreciation, to show admiration for a, a, a star, as I noted in my piece, that I truly feel many of us, even before he took he stepped foot on the court for his first game as an NBA player. A, a talent that many of us felt the Grizzlies had not had before. And that's even over players such as Mark Gasol, such as Pau Gasol, such as Zach Randolph. You know, John Moran is not yet, be, he's not on yet on their level because, you know, he obviously is still 21 years old. He's at the beginning of his career. But he clearly has shown that he has the potential to obviously eclipse all of them when it comes to his status as both a Grizzlies franchise star, as, as being the focus of the franchise for the Grizzlies, the face of the franchise fries for the Grizzlies, but also will likely one day have the highest status you know, in the NBA hierarchy than any Grizzlies player has ever had. And you know, when you compare him to other players that the Grizzlies have drafted over the years, it really stands out. Among the players that the Grizzlies have drafted, 
that started their first 100 games with the Grizzlies. So, you know, this doesn't include Gasol. This doesn't include Randolph. I'm not talking about all players in their first 100 games with the Grizzlies in terms of their career. I'm talking about at the start of their career, all the players that have played their first 100 games with the Grizzlies, which includes Mike Conley, Sharif Abdurrahim, Mike Miller, you know, a plethora of players. Morant ranked second in points only to Sharif Abdurrahim, who, let's be honest, in Vancouver had a very significant start to his career. But in terms of anybody that started their career with the Memphis Grizzlies, Jaw leads everybody in points besides Abdurrahim. First in assists, eighth in threes, and seventh in steals. However much stock you want to put in the uh, basketball reference metric known as game score, John Morant had tied Pal Gasol for the highest game score metric or average per game that any Grizzly has ever had in their first 100 games with the franchise. So however you want to look at it, in terms of Morant's individual ability, Morant's been right up there with anybody else to start their careers with the Grizzlies. But then when you add what he's done, when you add how he's created for others, how in spite of his individual impact when it comes to scoring and things such as that, the impact that he's helped others make, I think that's what stands out about Morant. That's what makes him truly a talent we have not seen before in a Grizzlies franchise. And this is backed up by Grizzlies PR um, on Wednesday through 99 games in Morant's career. You know, they listed, you know, when you combine points and assists among active players, where does John Morant rank in terms of active players when you combine their assists and their points through their first 100 games in the NBA? And Trey Young is first among active players. Luka Doncic is second. Ben Simmons is third. Morant is fourth, and right behind Morant is LeBron James. That's pretty damn good company for Morant to be in. And, you know, I know that we like to debate where does Morant rank among these point guards, so on and so forth, and all that, and defense matters. But when it comes to a small market team like the Grizzlies, especially a team like the Grizzlies who are in the mix of rebuild, having a player who can do so much on his own individually when it comes to creating offense, but also be able to significantly improve the production of others, that was the big get. That's the big reason why this front office did so much by just simply being competent. When they looked into that second overall pick in the 2019 draft, they stuck with their guns, they, ste- they, they stepped up, they, did, they knew exactly what they wanted to do from the beginning. And that's when they got Jaw, and obviously his impact has been made. And that's why, unexpectedly, we've been riding that playoff hunt in the Western Conference each of the past two years. But when you look at Jaw compared to the rest of the league, the thing about it is, is that it gets even better as you start to look at other players outside of that one statistic. For instance, when it comes to John Moran, he is one of only three current players that in the first 100 games of their career had 18 or more points, 500 or more assists, and a a field goal percentage of 46% or better. He did that along with Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry. That's two players who likely are going to be Hall of Famers, you know, at the end of their career. And the thing about it is, let's be honest, you know, they probably had more individual value because they were significantly better shooters than Jaw from the outside. However, Morant has nearly 200 more assists than either Steph or Kyrie had 100 games into their careers than Jaw does now. So while Jaw may not be making the difference that many had hoped he would be by this point in his career from shooting. You know, that should improve. Let's be honest, he's regressed a little bit, but his shooting should improve in time. He's making up for it by creating again for others and really elevating an offense that needs that elevation with the roster that they have and should only continue to be elevated more as more quality players come in and play around John. 
But to me, the biggest thing that stands out in terms of his statistical production, in terms of his on-the-play, you know, on-the-court play, is just how rare Ja appears to be when it comes to the history of the NBA. Before he came out and had his 100th game on Wednesday, ESPN Stats and Info came out with a wonderful graphic that compared Jaw's first 100 games to other individuals who had averaged at least 18 points and 7 assists per game over the first 100 games. And here, here's the list of players. Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Damon Stoudemire, Allen Iverson, Trey Young, and John Morant. That is one hell of a group to be a part of. Now, obviously, Morant and Young are at the beginning of their careers, and in a lot of ways, besides the way that they score, they're similar. You know, and again, I won't get into that debate, but you know, they do put all, you know, they do put up similar stats, you know, when it comes to their production. So no surprise there. But beyond Damon Stoudemire, who had a really good start to his career, he just kind of leveled off, you know, instead of having, you know, a truly historic ceiling, you have four of the five retired players on that list making the Hall of Fame. And they're incredible names. Robertson, Johnson, Thomas, Iverson, that's four of the greatest point guards that have ever played this game. And Morant is having a similar start to his career that these folks did to their careers. That's how rare Morant's combination of scoring and passing is for a player so young. And the thing about it is, is that he's not even 22 yet. He turns 22 in August. And his age, to me, is what I think a lot of people forget about. I'm not meaning that to be a negative. I do it myself. It's hard to remember just how young he is based off the maturity in his game, but also off the court. And I think off the court, the person that he is off the court is even more incredible than the player that he is on the court. You know, Ja is someone who, who demands respect. He wants to... He, he wants to be acknowledged with the respect that he feels he deserves because of the talent that he is. But the reason why he rightfully can expect that is because of the respect that he shows everybody else. If you made it clear that you put an effort toward Jaw as he was growing up, going through his time, you know, back in South Carolina, his AAU days, going to Murray State and now with the Grizzlies, if you have made an effort towards him, He's going to make the effort towards you to make sure you know he recognizes that. And the thing about it is, is that he's a very selfless person, constantly promoting others over himself. Future NBA stars, musicians, you know, sports personalities, women's athletics, you know, whatever other players, whatever it may be. Whenever we're in the media sessions talking with y'all, if you want, if he's always engaged, he always is a pleasure to talk to. But what really, the thing that he really enjoys talking about is how the Grizzlies did. He doesn't really care about individual statistics. What did they do to win? What did the other players do? How are they playing? How are they improving? He wants to talk about the, the, the positives of them more than himself. And that's what's so special about Jaw. He knows that in terms of he himself, what makes him so special, he knows he's special himself. And he takes pride in that. He takes pride in putting in the effort and doing the work that needs to be done, not only for who he is on the court to improve, but also his brand. He knows that he's building a brand. He knows that he's a superstar in the making, and that's what makes him a superstar. But he knows the work that has to be put in it to constantly improve while also making sure that he is a positive source for others as well. Because he takes pride in that. That's what brings him happiness. And so no matter what it is, whether it's on the court, whether it's, you know, you know doing something off the court, wh whatever it may be, Jaws is consistently promoting positivity. And that's why you hardly ever hear anything negative about him at all. 
Like, for instance, this season, I, I've not heard one negative thing said about Jaw other than the areas of his game that needs to improve, which is obvious. Those are observations. But there's a reason why teammates love to play with him, and there's a reason why opponents love to interact with him after they're playing against him, because everybody recognizes just how special John Morant is, and just how awesome of an influence he is, and how awesome of a brand that he is. And so that's the thing about it. And at the end of the day, we're talking about 100 games, but we're just scratching the surface. There is so much more room for him to improve as a player, you know, with the potential to be, a, a, you know, an MVP candidate for multiple years, multiple all-star star starts, you know, a top two or three player on a championship level team. All of that is on the shelf. All of that is a likely career art, you know, a potential, a, a realistic career art for John Moran. But the best way I could describe it in my article is the way that I'll describe it here. Ja embraces and enjoys the work that needs to be done for him to make sure he's going to do everything he can. He's going to do all the hard work that he can to have the best career that he possibly can. And he enjoys and embraces the work that it takes to get there. But he also is cognizant and aware of the fact that he wants to put effort in making it as enjoyable and fun of a ride for everybody else who's witnessing it. And that's the thing about it. Ja cares more for others than he does himself. And it shows in his play, it shows in the person that he is off the court, and that's what makes him so special. So yes, there are plenty of statistics out there that show how rare of a player he is, how special of a player he is, and that he's already a star. He's not developing into a superstar. He's already there as a star, and he is a, a likely superstar, you know, whenever you feel like calling him that. But the one thing that's always been there is how special of a person that he is and how lucky we as Grizzlies fans are to have him. And hopefully that means we're going to cherish hundreds of more games that he'll be playing in the Grizzlies uniform. And hopefully that means a culture that's being built that will surpass even the grit and grind era and maybe even one day could lead to an NBA championship. So it's been a great ride for 100 games. Hard to believe it's already here. Hard to believe that, you know, it's only been 100 games so far. But it just makes you more and more excited for the hundreds more that should happen with him in a Grizzlies uniform. And with the support of the franchise that continues to make the right decisions, with the support of teammates that absolutely love being around him, and with the support of a coaching staff franchise and front office and roster, that all is building a culture that centers on, you know, building up, you know, around Jaw and his leadership. All the players recognize Jaw is the leader. That is what makes him so special is because not only does he embrace that, but he does it with humility and positivity and with the respect of others and the want to promote them. So anytime that you sit here and think of Ja being as special of a player as he is, being a player that the Grizzlies have never had, you know, whatever milestone is in the future, just always remember as awesome of a player as he is, what makes him even better is the person that he is and what he means to so many because he takes pride. It brings him happiness to promote those people just as much as it does himself. Thing about it is, though, is that as awesome of a person as he is, Ja as a player is focused on leading this team to the playoffs. And they're probably about to go through what may be their toughest week of the schedule with three of the Grizzlies' next four games against the best team in the Western Conference in the Utah Jazz. Yes, it means three games against Mike Conley, but it also means a very tough opponent coming up in these three games. Coming up, I'll look at the Jazz, who have struggled a bit in the second half, and look how the Grizzlies might find some success, though there are likely areas where they will struggle over the next few games.
We've been talking with you for a while now about Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And of course, we're in the midst of Built Bar March Madness. But just like the men's and women's tournament, with the men's Sweet 16 starting today and the women's Sweet 16 starting later this week, we're getting further to, closer to, crowning a champion in the Built Bar March Madness. Over 18 different flavors to enjoy this great addition to your day. The health benefit, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, having in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon for a snack, before or after a workout, doesn't matter. Whenever you choose to have it, it's going to be a great addition to your day. But let's get to today's matchup in Built Bar March Madness. Today, it is cookie dough chunk versus birthday cake. I'm going to stick with cookie dough chunk on my end. It's the best one that I've tasted so far. Go to BuiltBar.com or bar underscore built on Twitter and vote today and again go to billbar.com and use the promo code locked on 15 locked on 15 locked 15 to get 15% off your next order from built bar again that's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order from builtbar.com Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. So the Grizzlies being able to win four out of their last five games, including three out of four at home, even though they uh, had you know a couple of inexplicable losses to Oklahoma City, you know a, a few Sundays ago as well as um, Golden State last week. The thing about it is, is that you know still winning four out of five before these three game, these three out of their next four games being against Utah, that's a big, it's big for them. You know they're at one game above five hundred. They could potentially be tied for eighth place tonight in the Western Conference playoff race. They have every opportunity that they have. But hey, let's be honest. It's going to be a very, very tough way of doing things over the next few days with three games against the best team in the NBA. And it's not hard to figure out why the Utah Jazz are the best team in the NBA. They attempt the most threes in the league and are second in three-point field goal percentage. They allow the fewest threes in the league while being sixth in defending the three. And they also lead the league in opponent's field goal percentage when it comes to shooting the two. They shoot the the three better than anybody, and they defend better than anybody. That's why they're the number one team in the league right now. But there is a bit of ways that they've fallen a bit off since the the month of March. In the month of March, they're actually 18th in terms of opponent's field goal percentage, while only being eighth in terms of field goal percentage in the NBA, though they have increased a little bit overall. So this Jazz team is not a team that's going to sit here and, you know, probably be where they were, you know, in fe- you know in February and things such as that. You know, they're probably, th- teams are starting to figure them out a bit. But it looks like that the Grizzlies, at the end of the day, the Jazz excel at the areas that the Grizzlies struggle. The Jazz are are, are one of the only teams. Jazz basically are the best combination of shooting and defending the three in the league. The Grizzlies right now are a bottom combination when it comes to, or a, a bottom of the league combination when it comes to shooting and defending the three. And that's why it's going to be hard to overcome that in these games. Yes, the Grizzlies do have you know a bit of paint presence. They could find some success there. But there's a guy by the name of Rudy Gobert who is certainly hard to overcome in order to get this done. So the Grizzlies are going to have a tough time. They're going to have ways to be able to get it. But the thing about it is, it's going to take an offensive performance like they did against Boston, where everybody is shooting efficiently, decisions are being made, the Grizzlies are not sitting here and they're making bad passes or anything like that. The Grizzlies are going to have to play to their strengths in this game, which is creating turnovers, which Utah is prone to doing. They, they, 
they do commit turnovers themselves, and they don't force turnovers themselves. So when it comes to um, you know th- this um, uh, this Utah team. One of the ways that the Grizzlies may be able to get out on the run and score is by creating turnovers. But they're a very this Utah team is very very disciplined, so it's going to be hard to expect them to do that. They're actually 18th in the league when it comes to you know committing their own turnovers and 30th when it comes to forcing it. So they're more of an effectively defending the three and the you know in the half court type team than they are a team that's going to turn the ball over. On teams, and the other thing about it is this: is that just like we saw with Denver, and we've seen with a few other teams, Utah is a team that loves to play half court. They're the most effective half court team in the league. Their passing is about like it used to be with the Spurs, and of course, Quinn Snyder being you know like um, you know Taylor Jenkins, he came from kind of that Spurs background. But you know, Quinn Snyder has a team that just absolutely knows how to pass all over the court. And obviously with Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, and others, you know, this is a very in-tune team. So the Grizzlies are going to have to play their best brand of basketball to be able to have a chance in these games. At the end of the day, you know, yes, the Grizzlies are going to be underdogs in all of these games, you know, especially the next two on the road. But if the Grizzlies can get a split... This honestly may be the biggest split that they get on the season because if they can find some way over the next five games to go three and two in which they'll split, you know, split in this series. If the Grizzlies win tonight, it'll be an absolutely huge victory. But if the Grizzlies can get at least a split in these back in this back-to-back with Utah, and then they have Houston followed by another game with Utah, followed by the Timberwolves. If the Grizzlies can go three and two, even two and three over that stretch, I will consider it a positive as they move forward. Because every every time that the Grizzlies move forward and stay at or above five hundred, I think that that's going to kind of be the benchmark that they're going to look to need to be at to be in a favorable position when it comes to making the playoffs in the playing game as we get closer to time. So tonight, the focus is going to have to be on the Grizzlies really accept at shooting and defending the three. They're going to have to do they're going to have to play a defense at the level of keeping Utah, you know, at, you know, at 35% or less probably from shooting the three. The Grizzlies are going to have to make some threes themselves and hopefully they can create a few turnovers. If they can win the possession battle by getting more shot attempts and effectively can defend the three, I think that's how the Grizzlies can steal one of these two games over the next few nights. Been a pleasure talking with you. As always, hope you have a great week. We will be back on Sunday discussing the back-to-back with the Grizzlies game against the Utah Jazz. Looking forward to their week ahead. I'll also talk a bit more about the trades around the rest of the league. Obviously, wanted to focus on the Grizzlies in today's episode, but thank Thank you so much for joining us. As always, my name is Sean Coleman. You can follow me at StatsSAC on um, Twitter. Follow the show at Locked on Grizz. Find the podcast wherever podcasts are available. Until next time, enjoy this weekend's, weekend's slate of games. Certainly is going to be a good measuring stick to see where the Grizzlies are as a franchise. Be excited that we've got some ideas now when Jaron may be back. But overall, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.